Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It's 3 o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this... All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors, like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream, are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings, or the midnight munchies, yeah. You know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 391. It's a very big day. Today, Sunday, August 4th, the day that I am recording uh, this intro. Geek Week on YouTube launched today. Uh, the Nerdist Channel was uh, producing with a bunch of uh, YouTubers some Geek Week programming for a week. And uh, go to youtube.com slash Nerdist right now, and you can see uh, today we posted uh, Slash's 10 Favorite Horror Movies and an animated version uh, from our friend Jackie Dan Show, who animated a bunch of Nerdist podcasts, uh, who decided that he wanted to animate Patton Oswalt's filibuster rant from Parks and Rec. So that's up right now youtube.com slash nerdist go check that out lots of programming also i'll be doing stand-up in the month of september in minneapolis and san francisco uh and boston go to nerdist.com slash calendar to get tickets info on that and the 12th doctor was announced today peter capaldi uh who is kind of a legendary veteran uh british actor who's uh he's a scott uh, was in a band with Craig Ferguson called the Dream Boys in the early 80s. Uh, so if you dig around, I posted a link to it on my Twitter feed. Uh, just the, their album cover is <laughs> incredible from the early 80s. And uh, also, he played um, Malcolm Tucker in the thick of it. Uh, he's been in a million things. He's been in, he was actually, uh, he was in Torchwood, Children of Earth, and also was in the same episode of Doctor Who that Karen Gillan was in, The Fires of Pompeii. So uh, he He's a fantastic actor. Uh, yes, I am excited about it because it how, how it's been so long since there was an avuncular doctor. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think uh, I think he's going to be fantastic. And of course, I'm sad to see Matt go, but we're always sad to see them go. But happy when uh, when a new guy comes in and and d- takes his his turn on the doctor. I don't know what type of neckwear. What could his signature piece of clothing be? Could it be uh, tails? Uh, could it be uh, leather gloves or spats or a tie made out of a uh, squirrel? I don't know what it's going to be, um, but I'm sure that we'll all be wearing it at Calibre One and all the cons next year. So in short, very excited about Peter Capaldi. You should be too. Change is hard. That is the nature of Doctor Who. We must move on. Uh, and so we shall. I would like to thank for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, Stamps.com. Okay, pretend that there is a pile of money in your hand, and now imagine throwing that 
uh, into a garbage disposal and turning it on with the water running and just hearing it uh, turn to sludge and then go down your drain. Now, that would be a lot of fun, because if you could do that and not care about it, you're a millionaire! Congratulations! But if you're not, uh, that is what you're doing when you're leasing one of those expensive postage meters for your small business. There's a better way. Use Stamps.com. All the benefits of a postage meter. A fraction of the cost. Use your own computer and and your printer or your printer and get official U.S. postage. Any envelope, any package, any class of mail. No more trips to the post office. Everything you need right from your desk with Stamps.com. So there's a promo code, as you know, special offer, no-risk trial, $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale to $55 of free postage. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Nerdist. at Stamps.com. Enter the promo code Nerdist. This episode is Michael C. Hall, who I was thrilled finally came on. Uh, I didn't... I, you know, I met him at a party last year and sort of poked around it. Never thought it would actually happen because I'm sure everyone now goes up to people and goes, hey, will you come on my podcast? But it did happen, uh, and he came on. And uh, this, he was, first of all, hilarious. He's an, an hilarious man. Yes, I said an hilarious man. I'm using that article, uh, that antiquated article. And then uh, also, um, this episode uh, got real in points, which we've been doing lately. Uh, I mean, I feel like we always did that, but uh, I feel like it's been happening more lately, and uh, I'm kind of enjoying it, and I hope you are too. Of course, we're, we're mid-swing into Dexter right now, uh, if you're listening to this uh, August 5th, which is when this is episode's going up. Um, so this is the final season of Dexter. Uh, it's got to be weird after all these seasons to just let it go. And um, and so uh, every day to sort of time the Doctor Who. Uh, the, the 11th Doctor's leaving and Dexter is leaving. And oh, and then Cranston's leaving. Breaking Bad, which starts next week, is a very... Uh, it's We're saying goodbye to a lot of things this year. A lot of characters that we love. But uh, Michael C. Hall was uh, was terrific guest. And you shall enjoy the Nerdist Podcast number 391 with Michael C. Hall. Now entering Nerdist.com. Podcast? It's already podcast. started. He's not allowed. I want you to know, Chris. He uh, he tried to sit in your seat. Uh, we stopped it. <laughs> uh, no, no. I mean, you got these guys trained. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I Just got for that, to though. like here. I'd say a foot yeah. and a half away, and it was like, da, 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 da. you know, I don't really care where I sit. I always just sit here because maybe I feel like it would. It's mess a power up the position. That's why you sit there. It's not. You Is it? We're you a square table, like a mob yeah. boss. Yeah, you're you're where the you're where the the maid guy sits. Yeah, well, that's in, where I like to sit at a restaurant. In, in the art of war, on the chapter on podcasting, it always said to have the corner at your back because that's a stronger position. Yeah. Well, I say I have the worst seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snipers. <laughs> open to snipers. I mean, yeah. We can push you out yeah. the window. Oh, but I do have that. You got, you, got, you got a Pete Holmes. You, you have an oil painting protecting mm. <laughs> I have. I think I take this seat because... I can see when people come up the stairs if someone wants to come. I don't know. It just, it just. I feel like I have power position. I yeah, guess that's true. I yeah, think, yeah, I yeah. Think yeah, exactly. The risers underneath the chair. Well, Paul risers underneath the chair. Paul risers there to just kind of give him a good, you oh know. I've, he is. I've assembled yeah. you all for a reason. Mad about shoe. Um, <laughs> that razor blade lever. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're, you're. There, there must be a Dexter panel at Comic Con this year. There is uh, on the 18th. 
That's Thursday, yeah. Yeah, Hall oh. H. Yes! How many more time. episodes are there? <laughs> How many, I'm sorry? How many more episodes are there? There are uh, nine to go. Three have aired. Shit. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. So it's be the and last we just sector. wrapped it up. Yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah, it's the end. That feels weird to me because to me, in my head... I mean, I've watched since the beginning. It still feels like, oh, it's a new show. I'm like, no, it's been on for like seven years. Yeah, I know. People are like, oh, God, it's it. Well, you guys had a good run. <laughs> like, I'm like, come on. We actually did have a good run. I mean, eight. It's, beyond that is rude. <laughs> I mean, it feels, are you listening, like, Frazier? <laughs> would you no, he's probably not. You're thrilled. <laughs> probably not. Doesn't You're care. thrilled that Frazier went for so long. Eleven seasons. The last two were in eight. A spinoff, too. Yeah. No, I mean, come on. But then those last three seasons, you get into, like, fuck it money, where they're like, here's a million two an episode. Just just keep doing For the 26 show. 26 episodes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that, I mean, that's uh, mind-numbing to consider until you think about the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the money. Yeah. You'll toss all the salad and scrambled eggs you want. <laughs> I just think it's... I don't know what I would do. I, I think it's ridiculous yeah, I don't that, know. that you go to... Like, how could you... Get mad at anything on the set at that point. You're like, hey, how come this coffee's it? Ah, I just made a million two. Yeah. Yeah. Does it yeah. even matter at that point? I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I find that being an actor, one thing one thing that's nice about it is if you act with the just baseline modicum of civility, people are like, he's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a tyrant. <laughs> you know, like people, I, one of the things that I, I won't miss um, from Dexter is how many times a day People say, sorry, but sorry, sorry, uh, you know, if, if they uh, perceive sucks. in any way that they're in your path. I, about five years ago, I fixed your computer at the Apple store. Oh, yeah. How many dick pics on his computer? 70. 70 dick pics. All of the same dick. Just different angles. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. He was trying to make weird. a th- 3D image. Well, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I actually made a flip book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to animate it. And he actually, uh, yeah. he it goes said, up, it goes down. He said someday 3D printing technology is going to catch up. And it did. Yeah. yeah. And he was right. He was yeah. absolutely right. It's sort of funny, though, when people... No, he's very nice. He wasn't a dick then. No, when... thanks for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. There's something funny about when people tr- try to, like, telegraph your emotion that it actually kind of puts you in that mood. Mm. Like, oh, you mad? I'm sorry, you mad? And you're like, I don't know why I'm getting mad now. Yeah, maybe that's what before. happens with actors. Everybody starts to like, yeah, you should be sorry. <laughs> why isn't everybody apologizing more? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I think people just take, I think people, it, it, it's, uh, th- this business in particular is sort of a, a festering chamber. Yeah. And I think sort of whatever you take into it is going to fester. If you're a nice guy, you might become a nicer guy. If yeah. you're a douchebag, you'll probably become a bigger douchebag. Yeah, yeah. And I do think maybe people were more inclined to say sorry over the course of Dexter because hey, he's thinking about killing people. He's thinking about <laughs> <laughs> how much is seeping into his psyche. Oh, sorry, <laughs> yeah. How much of this? You know, but I, I always, I, I am, a, I always like to talk to actors about this. Where they is the, the idea that you can portray a character and it might access parts of your brain or your emotions that you don't really want to. Yeah, you, yeah. That you don't really want to understand. Where you start going. Oh, yeah, I guess this sort of makes sense. I mean, this guy is just a guy. Yeah, and the the theory that there's some part of your brain or some sort of your cellular recording apparatus that uh, doesn't distinguish between real life and ritual. Right. You know, and that there's some there's some part of me that <laughs> thinks I really did all that. <laughs> there Even, is, yeah. 
there is a bit of a weird thing that happens when you watch like a lot of episodes of Dexter in a row or a lot of episodes of Breaking Bad in a row where you kind of you're watching this guy just constantly lie to people and have this other stuff going on that you you kind of feel that way when you walk out into the streets. You're just like, oh, I could just lie and no one will be the no one will know. And it's like, well, it's as an real, actor, you could do yeah. that anyway. You're, you're yeah. basically conditioned to, oh yeah, I could just lie to people and it that's what be. acting is professional lying. <laughs> it is professional lying in a weird sort of way, it's, right? It's, and and somehow convincing yourself within that that you're telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> it gets very gray. It gets yeah. very gray. But it's uh, but it is also you know coming up six feet under or Dexter or like you know these are just like really complex layered characters yeah. where you you spend a lot of time in your own well head. yeah I certainly think after thirteen years uh, all told with those two characters maybe uh, I haven't been discouraged from being uh, <laughs> a navel gazing scatterbrained. Um, <laughs> Uh, doormat. I don't know. Your, ne- your next project has to be just some weird frat guy comedy, like one dimensional, just to, almost as a sorbet to like you know to cleanse yeah, a little bit. That's a good title. <laughs> you seen that frat comedy called Sorbet? <laughs> <laughs> it's like this French. Uh, it's, a French yeah, it's a French. Yeah. It's a French. Yeah. It's a. Yeah, he's on an exchange. Foot in the D, I yeah. believe they uh, yeah. they call it over it's there. It's a frat that has to go sober. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. No more beer, says the dean. <laughs> is it? I mean, man, it must be kind of nice though that <laughs> when that when that sh- that show takes up the majority of your, your year, I would imagine probably almost all of it nine or ten months, maybe, right? Uh, honestly, no. It's it's more like half the calendar year. Really? Yeah, but I don't know. There, it's it's a constant presence. Uh, you know, it's you're still if you're going to do another season somehow uh, tied to those train tracks. Yeah. Waiting to be run over again. I don't mean to sound <laughs> negative. <laughs> so you, you spend six months doing it and the other yeah. six months fearing doing it again. Six, yeah. six months in Long Beach is a long time. It is. There's a lot of trips to Long Beach. Lots a lot of there. early morning yeah. early morning trips to Long Beach. Wait a minute. That's in Miami. No. In what? fact, In fact, when we go to Miami to get B-roll footage, we look for places in Miami that look, look like, like Long Beach, Beach. <laughs> so it'll all match. You just need like an ounce of authentic Miami stuff. Like just go, go it for goes the a ports. long way. Oh yeah, I, I mean we would go once every two years, and I'd drive around and change clothes again, and drive around some more, and just look preoccupied, yeah. think about blood, <laughs> and uh, this is all the VO at that point. Yeah, yeah. What are you yeah, doing yeah. right now? Just think about blood. Yeah. What's up, blood? When in doubt. You're filled with blood. Think about it. <laughs> Feel it. Think about it. You like it. <laughs> I mean, for a show, the, the show has that type of narrative structure where every year you kind of have to. Well, this last threat was the worst threat that we had ever seen. Yeah, this there, next you year always we gotta up it again. You have to up the. I mean, I think we upped the ante up to a point. Mm-hmm. I don't think we were ever going to have a big bad as formidable as the Trinity Killer. Right. So really, the the. Dexter was traumatized as a character, and the show was sort of traumatized in terms of what it was. Yeah. And so it became and has moved towards maybe something else that definitely changed its course. But, yeah, yeah, you have to either up the ante or reboot the system or whatever the that hell Lithgow you say. That Lithgow was amazing. Strong. I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> expecting to like uh, the big bad after, like, Smiths. Like, Jimmy Smiths, I thought was... Oh, to, like, Miguel Prado. Just, but just the, the insanity of that character arc Oh, yeah, remember insane. that scene with them on the roof? Oh, when he was, like, shit, when he finally, Am I allowed like, to curse? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, I will fuck you back. And he yeah. made that gesture, hitting his bicep. Uh, it was... Yeah, it was insane. That it was, was insane. some of the most fun I had on the show, was actually... 
playing a character who could act as if that didn't scare him. <laughs> you know? it's like that, that's the most fun. Like, I'm unfazed. In real life, I'd like, I shit my pants. Smits does not age either. Yeah. That guy, he was He's on a... fucking L.A. Law. Yeah. yeah. In like 85. Yeah, and he looked like that. He Wait, looks exactly yeah. Wait, the same. Wait, I thought he worked for the New York Police Department, Blue. Nope, yep, nope. He's done it all, Smits. So when you're working with these guys, He's a Captain Antilles. He's a great guy. It is your show, ultimately. It's your show. But when mm-hmm. but when guys like Lithgow come on, are, are, is it intimidating at all? Or do you sort of feel like, it's, oh, this is my house. It's, 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 you know, in the same way that, um, no, it's not intimidating. It's invigorating. It's like pinch yourself. You know, the first time I was in the Transpo van after one night where John and I had both shot for the first time, I was actually seeing him come out of a parking garage. So we didn't exchange any dialogue. But I got in. It's just like. How is this happening? You know, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'd always admired him, and um, yeah, it's like in the midst of something beyond your imagining. It's a heady thing. Yeah, that's some raising king Lithgow. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> well, he brought the dark back. You know, he uh, he'd done the Broadway musicals yeah. and the sitcom for the ten or fifteen music. years, but he was the yeah. The two, in fact, in Long Beach, a lot of times parents would come out of their houses with uh, books of his uh, banjo music. Oh, oh, really? And uh, he'd awesome. sign them, yeah. Was it, sign of Trinity Killer? Was it dog? Yeah, yeah. he's done it all. Yeah, it was dogs. pretty trippy within, yeah. a make, uh, within the context of making yeah. that show, seeing the kids <laughs> flocking to him. Oh, yeah. 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 He's an incredible guy, well, he's, too. Well, he's one of those guys that's of that sort of era of actors where they basically did everything. They used to do really broad comedy, but then also just get super focused and... And dark and creepy and yeah, yeah, he's just fucking amazing. Yeah, he's really able to convey an amazing spectrum between silliness and horrifying. Yeah, and managed to even work in, well, a lot. I think Trinity was so great because he was silly because yeah. it was John. Yeah. Like the way he sat there watching the football game before he broke his kid's finger, kid's oh, pinky God, finger. Damn. He was like, "Oh, what a play!" <laughs> This guy, you know, it, how how can all that coexist, coexist? But he makes it plausible. <laughs> so, what do you think is you know like when this is all done? Do you, do you want to take a break? Do you want to do something wildly different? Do you want to? What, what do you think is? What do you think you want to do? Both of those, yeah. I mean, I think I think my wants are pretty defined by what I feel like I ought to want. I'm not sure what I want to do. I'm actually going to go do another movie in upstate New York. Um, sort of an epilogue about a guy who, in the first scene, uh, shoots an intruder in his house. Whoa. So I'm going to go and uh, do a little epilogue uh, playing a real person who kills somebody and had no desire to and see how that goes. In a way, I think I can atone for my sins. But, yeah, people, people have been asking, like, how does it feel? How does it feel? I'm like, ah, it feels, you know, it feels sad. I feel vaguely depressed. I feel happy i feel relieved i feel prideful but i think ultimately i was thinking today i repress how i feel as dexter you know that's kind of his thing and i'm sort of feeling like oh god it's all just kind of hitting me yeah i just pretended to kill a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> it was fun you gotta go to pretend jail now <clears throat> yeah yeah pretend jail I don't in upstate new york yeah well and then also i mean in a way you're basically you know, you're killing him in a sense. Like he's basically this guy that you've been carrying around that's gonna not be there anymore. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, there's. I mean, it's the classic actor thing. But if you've been doing it for eight years and you're 
the idea of the character and acting are fused somehow when it goes away. It's like, okay, now I can be myself? Who's that? <laughs> I was actually, <clears throat> I was thinking the other day that you, um, all the stuff I think you process in retrospect, I don't think you can really identify it when it's happening or as yeah. it's happening. But it's like, I wonder, like, you know, when you look at kingdoms and eras, and they go, oh, it was a golden age. Did they know it was a golden age at the time? Or just in, in, in way in retrospect, did they look at, the, look at the data and go, oh, I guess this was a golden age. Like, you just don't know at the time until you look back and, and, can, and get some perspective yeah, on it. Yeah, I think the prevailing feeling at work, like, towards the end, was just all of our individual projections into the nostalgia we know we will at some point feel. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just kind of like, yeah, this is going to... But, but in the moment, yeah. you can't really process yeah. it. When you do the Dexter TV movie in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> it will be called Harrison. And It'll I will Harrison. have died, yeah. and I will be the ghost yeah. of Dexter. You know what I would do? <laughs> what? That would just be what your character would say to Harrison. Oh, Harrison's right, right. coming to terms with being a serial killer. Right, right. That's good. And it's yeah, almost, can yeah, I yeah. use that? You know what I would do? No, you can't. Okay. You can't use it because you scoffed at me when I said it. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I wanted to know what you would more. do. He thought there was you more. You know what I would do? I would say, you know what I would do? <laughs> right, yeah. right. This is sort of this weird Jedi thing where it's you and Harry and then and then young, you know, like the dark. Yeah, and it just and... keeps going and it, eventually yeah. it's like Russian dolls. <laughs> You're all nesting just inside generations. each other. <laughs> generations of murderers. Um, Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do in your free time? What do you what what what? How do you how do you scrub it off? Um, I've got a trip planned on the Appalachian Trail with some uh, cousins and, uh, awesome. and my uncle. That's not until March, but I'm looking forward to that. Uh, <laughs> I a read. long way to go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, try to exercise. <laughs> try to be as boring as possible. Really. <laughs> do you feel like you're boring? Work. Do you think you're boring? Um, no. Not at all? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Do you think I'm boring? No, no, no. no I, uh, I, don't, the, I don't have a lot of hobbies, I'll confess. You know, I could be better about that. Yeah. My, my hobby is, is my work. I mean, well, it, actually, that's not true. It's my vocation but um it was a hobby that then became a career <clears throat> yeah i mean i know true. that i know that's the idea like, i know that's sort, sort of the perfect scenario is like hey turn your passions into your career is there any part of it though where you go oh but then it's a chore and then it's work and i don't know i mean i definitely feel like i'm getting away with something having a career as an actor um you know um i just hoped that uh i'd be able to go out to dinner sometimes and and uh you know, support myself as an actor. Anything that's happened beyond that and beyond like working consistently in the theater is sort of beyond anything I imagine. So it's pretty heady. I mean, I, I, I feel really lucky. I'm definitely, um, you know, carrying around some dark characters, but my life wouldn't make sense if I didn't get to do that. Well, and it's <clears throat> not a lot of people can go from one show. That's a hit show. Right to another. Yeah, you're not supposed to. Hey, I stepped in shit twice. I mean, that's the sort of that. That's that's the Cranston thing too. Like, oh, he did. Oh, and then he did this other thing that was totally different. Very different different types of shit, though. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One's uh, lighter. Yeah. More. (laughs) Now now I'm gonna stop. One's named Frankie Muniz. Yeah. It is. It is pretty fun to watch. You know, like if 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 you were to watch. Uh, Malcolm and then Breaking Bad back to back. 
Yeah. And you see the and and I think he does broad amazing. I think he was so great on he Malcolm. He was hilarious. Yeah. But then to watch how fucking subtle he is on Breaking Bad, where you're just like, I can't even fathom. How did he react in that moment? Where did that come from? That was just the slightest thing that right. you know that he was able to. To, to turn on. Yeah. Well, the, everything's different. It's a completely different context, completely different story, you know. Do you feel like that the do you feel like that the environment sort of informs the character or do you feel like the character in this case sort of spills out and well, informs the environment? Well, I think the, the character it w- definitely would inform the environment more than average on a show like Dexter because it's subjectively told, you know, and you're you're encouraged to see things through his eyes and you're implicated because you hear the voiceover and everything and you're kind of on the ride with him. I mean, you know, I've heard people say about this season, like, why won't Deb just get over it? It's like, <laughs> good Lord. They're not arguing really about works. money. Yeah, I know. Um, you didn't owe her, you owe me $20, you haven't paid me back. Yeah, and that's, that's you know, all due to the fact that we're just sort of maybe increasingly in spite of ourselves. I don't know. I think the affection for the character has been challenged, but you're still kind of hoping he manages to work things out. I, what do you think it says about our culture that s- almost every protagonist on every great show that I can think of is fatally flawed mm-hmm. in some way? You know, whether it's Mad Men or, or Breaking Bad or Dexter or, or, or Game of Thrones, like anything. Ray Donovan. Right. Any, yeah. any, any, any character, any sort of main character now is really fucked up inside. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's just... Uh, People do what works, what worked, what has been working. There is more of an, an appetite for more than just one. I mean, Tony Soprano is there and everything followed. Yeah. Um, in terms of the current trend of anti-heroes. I mean, yeah, it's, it's really the way to do a show now, it seems. Though it- that might not be, that might be waning, I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, it just seems boring when someone's just good-hearted through and through. I mean, yeah, you know, it's like Superman. It's kind of boring. Yeah, audiences d- discovered an appetite to be given permission to identify with characters who are more inherently flawed, as we all are, yeah. and I think relished it and yeah. sort of want more of it. It feels, you know, feels more real. Yeah, you know. Have you gotten any weird fan letters like "You really justified my <laughs> desire to kill people"? Like, is there any sort of weird element to that? Um. Thankfully, no. I mean, I, the, the, I guess the thing I get sometimes is, um, you know, I got somebody who you could, you know. Oh, Jesus. And I, I say, stop right there. <laughs> Don't tell me. You know I'm a actor playing a character. <laughs> no, no, for the most part, people seem very, very much aware of that. Or 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 they're just they don't have the people who talk to me don't have skeletons in their closet and don't feel like they would uh, be a worthy victim for Dexter so they're just happy to say you know go get them buddy <laughs> we're all for it. Have it, at it. It is it is <clears throat> setting up the setting up a system that basically allows people to accept murder. It's like oh well he's killing the worst people in the world so it's okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, in as much as people are desensitized to that fact and questions about responsibility and everything, you know, I mean, I certainly um, think about what the show might be reinforcing. And um, I think ultimately it's not a primer to yeah. be a serial killer or advocate the <laughs> lifestyle or anything. But. Yeah, if you're seeing things from his point of view, he's certainly 
in his way, desensitized to murder. So I guess you will be too if you take the ride. Well, I just think, <clears throat> I just think as uh, as a narrative story, it's to to take any bunch of fucked up circumstances and then and then try to find humanity in the most fucked up circumstances. Mm-hmm. Like that's a real artistic challenge, and that's and if you can get people to empathize with that person, that's that's a really cool thing to be able to do. Yeah, and it, it, maybe it sort of uh, feels good. If, if in the midst of all that suffering, you can derive some sort of meaning from the story being told, then, yeah. then maybe life in, has inherent meaning everywhere. Yeah. Uh, can, can you... I could totally cut this out if you don't want to talk about it, but you, you survived cancer. Can you, are you willing to talk about it at all? Sure. Um, Probably the one thing that I and then it's also because I've been watching all the Breaking Bad episodes over again to get ready for the after show. Yeah, and every time I, it's it's very hard not to like, uh, you know. It's basically I just think of that as like, well, that's the worst news that you could get. Yeah. Um, I it was towards the end of the fourth season, and I had these swollen lymph nodes in my neck, and I thought maybe it was a cold because I had a cold, but it was unlike my normal cold. And I went, the doctor took a look at him, he told me to come back in two weeks if they weren't gone, and I came back in two weeks, and the next morning I got him taken out, and the next day I found out, while I was driving down to Long Beach, that it was cancer. But I was immediately told it was, you know, something that was given my other prognosticators and their ability to treat this kind and the stage and everything, that I was going to be fine, you know, like 93% chance. So immediately, I was like, well, I have JV cancer. (laughs) <laughs> I can say that because my father died of cancer and you know it, it really my my sense of survivor's guilt I was like man it is really deep I get cancer too and my first thought is like yeah but it's not like the kind he had <laughs> oh, what was the kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> crazy dad issues yeah, yeah well yeah I had, never live up to <laughs> yeah and I've done two characters who are uh, have conversations yes. <laughs> with their internalized dead fathers oh my god that's true yeah I mean do you, is it is there any part of you that is there any part of that that's cathartic in some way or odd or or it's cathartic up to a point, but after a while it feels like you're tilling soil that's long dead. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just mean like it's you know it can get indulgent if you don't separate it from it to a degree if you sure. play a character that long. Sure. Um, but you know. In the end, I feel blessed to have, you know, been called upon to explore those issues in, in, in my work and as much as I have been. Yeah, because most, I mean, most people with, with other occupations are never going to be in a situation where they can actually, oh, pretend that you're talking to your father and what would that conversation be? And, like, yeah. no one ever gets, you know, like, people just don't get that closure. They just, yeah. they just ball it up. Yeah. So you knew right, you knew right away that you were, gonna, you were probably going to be okay in it, but it's yeah, still... Yeah, I did. Um, I, I, yeah, I didn't mean to... Well, I didn't mean to, but I did sort of divert from no, that's the story. Okay. But, but yeah, I did. I mean, it, it was amazing what you can make room for. That's what I learned. I mean, I found out, and it's like, okay, well, I guess that's what's happening, and what do I do? And, you know, I got an opinion and three, three second opinions, second, third, and fourth opinion, and uh, decided on a course of treatment. I did six months of chemo um, every other week. And, but you know, the, my doctor impressed upon me like you know, when like when my dad had cancer in 1982, there were four chemo drugs, and now there are over a hundred. And um, in terms of kinds of cellular abnormalities, they call cancer. You know, I had um, 
the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, you know, it was, it was a specific condition, and I was encouraged to believe that immediately and was, you know, my mind was more at ease as a result. I mean, it wasn't fun. Desmond Harrington on the show, mm-hmm. I t- when I told him about it, he was like, yeah, you know, you're going to have wet pants. You're going to have wet <laughs> pants for like six months. I mean, having wet pants sucks, but, you know, it's not going to kill you. Well, was, that, was that weirdly comforting? Yeah, it was good. Whenever I felt bad, I was like, hey, it's just wet pants. That's not a big deal. So irritating, though, wet pants. But does, it, does, yeah. does, does something like that, does everything else become not important, or do you crave to care mm. about dumb shit? Like, oh, I just want to only worry about things that aren't life-threatening. I, you know, I, I, I had the luxury of, of dedicating the time of my treatment to nothing but my treatment. I was, it, it coincided with our hiatus. And uh, I wore a wig for the fifth season because my hair had fallen out. Uh, but aside from that, I, you know, I was, it was in remission and I was feeling good again by the time we went back to work. So, you know, I thought, oh, maybe I'm going to have all these epiphanies or whatever. But really it just became about like, okay, let's just do this. You know, what do I have to do today? And, you know, you just get through it. But I, I'm... I felt lucky to have good health insurance. I felt lucky to be off work, you know. And do you feel like that's how you approach most of the stuff in your life? Are you a pretty easygoing guy in that way? I don't know that I'm easygoing, but I I don't know. There's probably, I probably, when things get tough, there probably is some sort of stoicism that kicks in. I probably got it from my mother. Yeah. I wish I had that. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I tend to freak out until it's not, and then I don't have to freak out about it anymore. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I have to freak out about that thing. But I think a lot of people condition themselves mm-hmm. to think that they have to freak out about stuff right. rather than just being able to step back and. Yeah. And well, you know, if you down. freak out about stuff and and stuff ultimately always works out, there's probably some trick your mind plays. Like I do have to freak out, otherwise it won't work out. Yeah. Only if I freak out, where there will there have been no reason to have freaked out. It is a slightly. I think that I think there are shades of. There's a little OCD. It's a little bit of OCD. I think, which mm-hmm. is that idea of, you know, when you're in a situation that you can't control is finding things that make you think that you're in control of a situation that you're actually really not that much in, right. in, in control right. of. Right. Yeah, that's just like when I have to put my keys at the corner of the table, otherwise I think I'll die. That's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you may be joking. Are you serious or are you kidding? No, every night when I go to, like, I had them up, like, I was so fucking tired and I was just getting into bed and I realized that yeah. my keys were, I was like... <sighs> that's your thing? You have to put your keys in the corner of your they table? They have to stay, they have to be on the table that the mail is on. <laughs> like, yeah. const- otherwise... Like, I, I can't go to sleep. I'm like, everything's going to be fucked up the next day. And I also have to cross the street in a certain spot. It's a weird thing. Don't worry about it. Well, that's okay. You're just giving us t- tips on if we want to kill you. Like, yeah. we just know what to yeah. upset in your life so yeah. that when you go to your table confused about where your keys are, then yeah. pop, that's where we get you. If you park yeah. a car weird on the street, I can't cross where I need to cross, and that's a whole problem. I dated a girl that used to think it was funny that, you know, when my she would reach over when we were eating at a restaurant and just slightly move the knife askew a little bit because I'd be like, don't do that. Like, I'd always have to move it back. And she thought it was hilarious that I could never just let it be. That's not very loving. It's, it's, well, <laughs> it didn't work out. It yeah, didn't fucking work I'm not out. Surprised. God damn it. 
the fuck was her problem? Can't the knives just be straight on the napkin the way that they're supposed that just, to be? That just sends that electric current right down that groove in your brain. Right? It really does. Yeah. That's how Dexter feels when he kills someone. <laughs> I totally get it now. At first I was like, I don't know if he's a good guy, but you know, now I understand. But he's just trying yeah. to... That's the only time he feels he anything. He needs his keys to be there. <laughs> 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 so you're very similar yeah, to that character in a way. I'd say, that. yeah, in many ways. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jonah. Wait, no. <laughs> so is that essentially the only time that that character feels anything? That's that's basically what he's doing? Is that what he's acting out? Yeah, I don't think uh, that's the place where he's feeling. Um, I think that's the place where he's comfortably numb. That's the place where, at least initially, I mean, a part of the story of Dexter and killing is that his killings become, you know, when we met him, they, they were just this cold, sterile, make no mess. I mean, he gets off on getting the confession and everything as part of his ritual, but ultimately, I think it creates in him a sense of calm. And his kills have maybe gotten more and more personal as the show has gone on. So I guess it's evolved. But, uh,. I don't know, Dexter and feelings. Ooh, don't get me started. Yeah. I don't know where to start. <laughs> and just think, in a, in about a year, is about a year? No, maybe about a year. You you will not have to talk about it anymore. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, I'm like Dexter's press secretary. <laughs> oh my god, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Of course you are. Yeah. Well, of I have to. You I are. have to. I have to keep my mouth moving and give you the sense that I'm giving you an answer without telling you anything. At least when it comes to like, <laughs> when it comes to promoting the That's show. absolutely true. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. You yeah. are the PR guy. Yeah, and I have all these esoteric talking points. I can't tell you how many times I've, sa- I've said, you know, he doesn't wear a white hat or a gray hat, a uh, black hat. He wears a gray hat or, uh, <laughs> or a formidable dark side. Or, um, yeah, you know, people, I've said them today. People relish the opportunity to be given the chance to identify. With well, it's hard. I mean, listen, said that I don't so want to make times. you talk. I didn't want to make you talk about Dexter. No, no, time, it's but, okay. But I should, actually brought I, it up. I just wanted to talk about it a little bit because I, you know, I watch the show. Separation anxiety. But I, also, but I also do understand that, you know, I mean, particularly one thing that I think we like to try to do on the podcast is just get people to talk about things that they don't normally talk about because right. i think it's more fun for well I, I am talking about dexter but i don't normally talk about the fact that uh, i talk about him the way i talk about him so it so. got very meta in that sense word <laughs> <laughs> but then you're gonna have to prepare for it again because you're about to go to comic-con and then it's like that's the nest that's where it fucking happens yeah yeah nobody knows what's gonna happen man it's crazy who does does, does <laughs> Ralph got Ralph, <laughs> Oh guys, I think we just unplugged the Michael C. Hall uh soundboard. We gotta play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Oh, hit gray hat again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute, man. You're walking without a tightrope now. Wait, no, you can't walk without a tightrope. You're you walking can, you can walk everywhere without a tightrope. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Anywhere you want. It's just called walking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's the safety net they talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> walking without a tightrope. That's a title yeah. for a book, though. That's a title for a book. Yeah, walking the guy that just walked rope. across the Grand Canyon. It's, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's saying it's saying something that sounds deep, but actually yeah. has no He's substance. He's walking across the Grand Canyon, no tightrope. He's walking very fast at about 9.8 meters per second uh, towards the floor of the Grand Canyon. That's true, it does get pretty steep. 
<laughs> how do you view the how do you view the world? Like is it like Whoa. you <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like our Dave. I'm gonna back up and give you some history. No, no, I'm gonna that's back okay. up. Because you are sort of in this position of cultural power that you may or may not want. <laughs> Yeah, no, I could, I mean, I tr- I'm going to try to use my powers for good. I appreciate that. I- I'm thinking of, like, like Bill Murray is a guy that kind of, I think, is aware that he's Bill Murray and just sort of floats in and out of these weird social situations because he has control over them and people will always let him do what he kind of, what he wants to do. Right. Um, and and, and I think in certain cases you ha- you sort of have that same thing. You're this character who's part of our cultural fabric. You can sort of pop in. And people will accept whatever it is that you do. So how do you, when I say how do you view the world, like, what does that mean to you? Uh, the the fact that that is, at least to a degree, true. Mm-hmm. That when I walk into a room, if people recognize me, yeah. they're like, oh, yeah. yeah, there's that guy. Yeah, that you're basically affecting people when you don't mean to. I try to, it's impossible to deny it. Um, I try to think of it as an opportunity to maybe give somebody a good experience they wouldn't over otherwise have that's easy enough if somebody wants to say hello. But I also try to keep it in perspective and and struggle to or strive to recognize that it's fundamentally unreal or something. You know, that's more like a spiritual angle. But uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, again, it's like something you make room for. I mean, I was six feet under started and I got recognized by people and it just started to happen more, you know, and, and it's a part of the deal. I mean, I guess it, 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 it never really bothers me. I think it's only bothersome if I feel like it's impinging on, uh, the experience of whoever I'm with, you know, right. but, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I could come in and just bust out an Elvis impersonation and then walk out again and people would talk about it. <laughs> Have you heard that story about Bill uh, Bill Murray where he comes up to someone and does... Covers their eyes? It covers their eyes and then he's like, no one will believe you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he runs away. Like, guess who? I don't know. It's like, it's me, Bill Murray. No yeah. one's ever going to believe this yeah, happened. it's pretty great. And then like, uh, popping into karaoke bars in, in New York. Yeah. He'll do that. Yeah. Yep, wiffle ball games. The guy just... It's grassroots. He just stuff. does whatever. Yeah. yeah, he's really living Groundhog Day, where he just can run around and do whatever. Like the like that idea that you know, at a certain point, after decades of the kind of work that he's done and where he that he, I I think that's the best way to live out the rest of your life is being able to run into a room and fuck with people in a in a non threatening way and then leave and then it just this weird legend Only form. Well, back to you. Joke. What do you want to do? I'm starting to come up with something. I appreciate. <laughs> is that it? Yeah, I'm <laughs> just going to cultivate weird idiosyncratic behavior. All you need is like behavior. twenty yeah. or twenty five more years of doing stuff, and then I think you I think you earn that that place as. Uh, oh, I, so I have to work for twenty or twenty five yeah. more years before I start showing up in karaoke bars. Mm. I can't start tomorrow. No, you're not allowed to do that. Okay, that's fair like walking enough. without you a tightrope. Save me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to go to a karaoke bar, what would you sing? Uh, Kiss by Prince. <gasps> oh, that's I, I would sing Prince by Kiss. Mm. <laughs> Shit. You guys should go up one after another. I would yeah, sing yeah. Two Princes by The Spin Doctor. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I would sing oh. Kiss Me by Six Pence <laughs> and the Witcher. Oh, man. See, we're exactly the same age, so these 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 songs populated our, our college experience. Yes, that's what I just saw. Um, World's End, Edgar Wright's movie with Simon. Oh Pe- no way! And it and it a lot of it goes back to taking place in like 1990. 
Like they're constantly having these flashbacks from 1990. And the soundtrack to that movie is every fucking British alternative hit oh, that, really? was, that was college. Stone Roses. Me. Stone and, Roses. Yeah. yeah, every one of those. Uh, were you, what, was your, what, what, what was your soundtrack in college? What, what was your... In college? Like a Henry Rollins band and uh, <laughs> Jane's Addiction and... Um, Shit, you liked cool music. I, I had no, I had no. I had a Belle Biv DeBoe tape. Belle Biv DeBoe was, was different, but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Um, I went through a yeah. I was I don't know. I think when I got to college, I maybe discovered music that I hadn't listened to because of you know whatever I missed out in on in high school. So I, you know, I started to listen to Pink Floyd in college. I'd never really listened to him in high school. It was a little after the fact. But where'd you go to college? Earlham College. I always say it in the form of a question because it's a really small school. And, <laughs> and you expect people to go, Indiana. where's that? Yeah. Earlham College? No. Well, <laughs> nothing? Yeah. nothing? It's a uh, little uh, liberal arts Quaker college in Richmond, Indiana. So you should Quaker say. Quaker affiliated. I mean, Quaker adjacent. Students aren't all Quakers. You, you should say it um, very demonstratively so that people feel stupid for not knowing. Oh, Earlham went College. Went to Earlham College. Went to Earlham. Well, oh, is that, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Earlham Una, oh, Earlham yeah, yeah, College. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. <laughs> That's a Very Quaker League school. It's great, amazing faculty. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. <laughs> what, 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 are, what, are the, what are the Quakers like to coexist with? Well, I mean, you know, there were probably 18% of the students were actually Quaker, but probably like a lot of Quaker institutions, like the more secular side of Quakerism pervaded the community philosophy, decisions made by consensus and things like that. Yeah. There was a meeting for worship for the college, you know, where you, you know, sit in silent worship unless your inner light moves you to speak for some reason. Sure, wow. sure, sure. Yeah, did it's kind of cool. Did you did you absorb any of the any of the Quaker philosophy? Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think you know, it's 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 a kind of philosophy that maybe wouldn't be able to work at a larger institution. You know, Earlham was well suited to it. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the inclusiveness of their sort of um, uh, spiritual aspect or, or worship style is very appealing. Do you think you took that to work with you? Because you did say you're pretty nice to work with on set. Yeah, I mean, if someone's moved to speak, I'll listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. But it's a weird responsibility to essentially carry, like, to carry a show on your shoulders in the sense that. You, whatever mood you're in, whether or not you realize it, is essentially going to affect everyone else. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, you know, um, I, I think, you know, I directed an episode this season, and uh, it was kind of nice. I, I was worried that I'd be, you know, at cross purposes and feel overwhelmed or whatever, but i wasn't and it was nice to have to be available to everyone and have to be decisive so that other people could do their jobs the the sh the show and the character definitely allow you to i mean you guys when you're at work you can't just walk over into the corner and stare at the wall yeah. and everybody's like well he must need to do that <laughs> <laughs> and, and i've been doing that for like seven years so if i'm in a heavy mood you know it 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 I think it's pervasive, but I think it's more like people just give me sure. space to be in my mood. Sure. You know? Well, especially on a show like that. Like if you're if you were doing a if you were doing a really silly comedy and you're like, I have to go stare at the wall, like, what the fuck is that yeah. guy's problem? Yeah. 
Uh, how yeah, long? Lighten like, up, Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, lighten yeah. up, Kramer. Jim Kramer, Mad Money. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. he's talking about. Um, did, was that directing an episode something you had been trying to do for a while, or is it like it was until this season you're like, was, I should do it before it's done? Yeah, I, both. It was an invitation that I hadn't taken advantage of on a couple of, of occasions because I had other commitments that didn't allow me to do prep. Oh, and yeah. then another time I was just like, I'm too tired. I don't want to do it. And this season I realized it was the last chance. And, uh, yeah, so I, I did it. And I enjoyed it. It was it was yeah. um, you see more fun of, than I was afraid it wouldn't be. Yeah, because you see that in, like Mad Men and uh, even yeah, Breaking Bad. It's like common. it's like yeah, those that you know. But the thing is, like those are bigger ensemble pieces where it's like you know you are always on camera for the most part. True. And so it's like I'd imagine it's like even tougher just because it's like you have to keep your shit in order as well as everyone else's. Yeah, I mean if you've been doing it, it it, it sort of was an invitation to be you know it's not like doing a movie where you're playing the character for the first time. You know I've been playing. Yeah. So you, it was almost a a chance to be a little less precious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just and and you know trust your instincts and get that done because you gotta get the day. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, you know the world pretty well, too. Yeah. And I know what it looks like. I mean, while I couldn't look at shots, I know the look at the show. And even when I'm on the show, if you do a show for that long and you watch it, you you know what you're in. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know what it looks like. And also, <clears throat> it is, you know, even though the show is called Dexter and you're it's a, you're the central character, it's a pretty fantastic ensemble cast. Incredible. Of, of people. Everyone yeah. is, is fantastic. I mean, and there are, you know, so many actors on our show who could you know, be stretched in ways that they're maybe not stretched on the show. I mean, there's so much, like, deep acting talent in every one of those people. Yeah. Yeah, the, actually, even just this this season, there's been such funny scenes between uh, you know, the characters Quinn and Batista, where it's just like... It's I like, love those guys together. Yeah. I think my favorite... My favorite uh, shot in the... In the um, episode I directed is just them getting out of the car and walking down the sidewalk <laughs> together because they each of them in very different ways have such distinctive ways of moving <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny yeah. there's been a couple like, scenes with them this season where I just uh, I just go fucking spin off with just those two guys yeah. I just make it a comedy where it's just those two guys as like you know cops in Miami. It just it would work so well. They're, yeah, it, they're, it's like like you said it's just very different things going on when they're in the scene together but they work so well yeah um, so all the episodes are shot now. Now they just have to roll out. Do you sort of feel like it's just a waiting game now? It's like, oh, just wait for these to come out, and then it's all going to be... I don't know. I mean, it's it's particularly interesting because it's the end, so, you know, the, the final episode will be airing. So that's that's uh, exciting, you know, in a, in a unique way. But uh, I don't know. It's nice when the, when the episodes air. You feel like you're working when you're making them, and they air and you kind of feel like you're still working even though you're not working anymore yeah um but yeah it's it's that time of year i mean i've been blessed to be able to say that you know uh it's it's become a part of the calendar you know the show coming out how much of a responsibility do you think a show has to its audience where you know you look back at finales and as an audience, you kind of want them to answer. They're never going to answer every question that you have in your head. Right. But then there's also the Sopranos ending where it's like, nah, you decide. Yeah. It's up to you. Yeah. You know, whereas Six Feet Under is like fucking the, one of the best well, ways that's probably to end the a show ever. Between something that isn't definitive and is. You know? Yeah. And Six Feet Under was sort of teed up for that, you know? I mean, every show started with a death. It's, 
I, that finale was great because I felt when I read it, and I think people when they watched it, it was simultaneously a shock and so obvious. You know, it was like, oh, of course, oh my God, they're doing this, <laughs> and it and it yeah, it works so they're well. All dying. Well, because yeah. it's 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 you 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 sort of get to play the card, which I'm sure a lot of creators want to play, which is like. We get to kill everyone, but in a way that's totally acceptable and organic within the story where everyone's like, oh my god, yes, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Matt worked in a funeral home. I did. For four really? years. Yeah, for four years. What kind of stuff did you do? Uh, I was a funeral assistant, so I did everything, like right. removals and bombing and butt stuff. stuff. Like, right. Butt stuff. <laughs> Some butt right. stuff. You know, you gotta plug it occasionally, throw on the rubber boxers, have a good time. Sure. Oh, you really do, don't you? Yeah, it'll leak. Of course it'll leak. Oh, man. Yeah. Your muscles aren't doing the same thing yeah, anymore. They're, they're, actually, they're, actually, they're doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they're deteriorating. You're walking without a tightrope. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the title of my <laughs> memoir about working in a funeral home, walking yeah. without a tightrope. Playing it safe. <laughs> I thought your memoir was going to be the Myra Method, that's How a to Be Self-Destructive. That's my, that's my self-not-help book. Oh, okay. That's my unhelpful self-help book. You've worked so... <laughs> You've worked around so much death-related material yeah, in the last 13 have, years. It's no, big. not you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Um, but uh, what do you mean? Well, Jimmy, just is it? Just kidding. Do you feel? It's... <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> How dare you on my? <laughs> this interview is over. <laughs> How dare you take the reins? <laughs> These are my reins. Come on, let me sit over there with you. <laughs> <laughs> you want to just squeeze in? No, I'm not. You want to see what it's like in the yeah. non-captain captain's chair? I want you to. Pull that razor blade lever. Do you ever? Would you ever want to do something like this? Do you? Do you like doing host-driven stuff at all, or do you? It's you, fun hosting. So I, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I like free-form, long-form, conversational style. What we're doing, yeah, that's fun. Have you gotten to do a lot of it? I don't know. I did. Uh, I, I've done some. You know, uh, some of the longer-form, like public radio, longer-form interviews and stuff. This is a little more um, decidedly boisterous or I feel so boisterous now (laughs) tell us us a little bit about when Dexter's feeling um, near the end is it good well I think it's a really uh, stew of things Um, you know I think the spectrum has broadened between his his darkness and his light and as he's moved toward uh, you know more nuanced and, and, and cultivated sense of his humanity the darker side of his nature becomes all the darker because now we're watching someone who's becoming a human do these things. And it really implicates, a, you know. You know, you were fucking right. That's actually a really good answer. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> He's got them all cocked. <laughs> it's all cocked they're and loaded. All, they're all in the chamber. Yeah. Ready. I was going to say. Button number 12. <laughs> Does, I think you got to know about Dexter. <laughs> when you, but just the idea that, you know, you've for 13 years you've done these characters that are so, like, that hover around death and then, you know, you had this experience and, uh, which obviously worked out okay, but. Do you feel okay about your mortality at this point? Is it, did it condition you in any way to like, ah, you know, it's everything's will be fine. I don't know. I mean, I think I have. Uh, I'm inclined to sort of gallows humor, or I don't know. Um, uh, the the fact of my, your, and all of our inevitable death is <laughs> something I'm theoretically comfortable with. It's kind of funny, isn't it? 
I mean, it's sort of funny in a way. Like, yeah, there's I nothing mean, what, anyone can fucking do about it. There's yeah. no alternative. There's no alternative. Yeah. It just is what it is. It's the common denominator. Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're all going to die. Good night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael C. Hall says, <laughs> you're all dead. How did you? Why, why was he in a 20s newsreel all of a sudden? <laughs> I don't Michael know. Michael C. Hall says, you're all dead. This just in. Everyone's going to die. It's just a fun... That's what our boys think overseas. Yeah. Say hello, boys. <laughs> You'll swallow anything if I say it like this. <laughs> Take that, Mr. Hitler. Yeah. Things are going well overseas. Back home, it's in. everyone's having fun. The Danceteria. <laughs> Get your victory gardens ready. Oh, the Danceteria? <laughs> where you have to dance for your meals? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Were Times just, were tough. Were you just doing the trumpet with the... Yeah, thing? that was a, some sort of a company, a band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that was a slide. Yeah. <laughs> What is that thing you put in the trumpet? Oh, a mute. A mute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's that, and then that's then it goes into a Tommy Dorsey orchestra thing, and then we come back and talk about. I think Dexter would have been a fucking amazing radio play. Mm -hmm. Dexter would have been a fucking great radio play in the forties. Maybe that's one of those things. The forties were ready for Dexter. (laughs) No, well, okay, maybe thematically. (laughs) I got you. Maybe not. That would be a really irresponsible way to use a time machine. (laughs) (laughs) You would would shake up the world. (laughs) What's bugging you, Dex? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to just get in all the dark passenger stuff, and then just kids are crying next to their radios. We really couldn't, as a culture... there there, there, There must have been a layer of darkness in our culture that people just didn't acknowledge or talk about they i mean pushed it, it yeah. down they did yeah. smush it yeah. down along yeah. with the, feelings there's and... that story of like the day that the bbc ran out of news and they just played piano music which oh. happened in the 30s I that'd think? be great if like you know fox yeah. news just like well that's it nothing today folks enjoy yourself except this world it's organ it's just a girl in a hula hoop just staring dead eyes there were organ stores in every mall Yes. And they went away. Right. There used to be one fucking organ store in every mall that oh, had yeah. all those there giant... There always an organ store, yeah. And then you could hear, like, the... Dun, 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 and then, like, yeah, the, the guy the who worked ding, there ding, would ding, play ding, them. Ding, yeah. And to, like, you get lured in, and everyone had those giant fucking organs with all the switches, and then they have completely yeah, vanished. Yeah. The, the, what did they do with all the organs? <laughs> yeah. Where did they go? I imagine people are still buying They're organs. They're all at the Rose Bowl flea market. <laughs> yeah. That's no. where they are. Yeah. They would have had to have been disposed of somewhere. I uh, There was a period, there was a, a chunk of my life that I distinctly remember between the 70s and the 80s where every one of my parents' <clears throat> friends had one of those organs in their house. Well, organs and pianos were, like, it was De required for, yeah, it required furniture in any house. Yeah. Was, you know, that's like, you look at so many old pictures. That was the entertainment. What? That was the entertainment. Yeah, yeah. play it. Yeah, exactly. Those organs were the internet at one point. That's all we had. <laughs> Don't compare everything to the internet. <laughs> it is. I thought you didn't want me to compare everything to organs. I was, uh, <laughs> I was on organ for, like, three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. It's sucking up your life, he bro. All of his, he's spending all of his time on organ. And I don't mean... What's your, what's your favorite, what's your favorite sub-organ? Uh, Samba. Samba. <laughs> Although now I can't listen to any of that. If I ever hear that music, it's still like Sex and the City has just ruined... Has ruined like, it's always just that now. And I'm like, whenever... If I ever pass a restaurant and hear... Dun, 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 oh. And I just expect them to be talking about blowjobs or something. You... Yeah, that's such, a, such a Miranda thing to say. <laughs> You're the fucking Miranda. I don't know the difference. Okay, I don't need to. I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I actually did yeah. watch a fair number of those those episodes. Yeah. 
I went to the movie. <gasps> On purpose? <laughs> yeah. The premiere, you paid to go see it. I went with my uh, lady at the time and like a lot of her friends, <laughs> all but one of whom were female. Really? Yeah. How'd it go? It was long. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, you know. I don't know. I don't know what the message was. I don't know. <laughs> what is the message? Hey, guys, what are we really trying to say what here with say? Sex in the City 2? If you build a woman a big enough walk-in closet, she'll forgive you for anything. I guess that's true. Maybe. Did they get together in the end? I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Were you yeah, slightly did. pleased that that happened? It was a nice walk-in closet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understood why she forgave him. Do you have time to? Do you watch stuff? Like, what are you? Are you a fan? Do you get to? Um. Yeah. I. I mean, when I'm making the show, I, I don't watch a lot. You know, to be honest. But uh, I did watch all of House of Cards recently, which I thought was pretty amazing. Um. And. Um, what else have I kept up with? Um, the new Sesame Street season is pretty, it's pretty good this pretty year. Tight. Yeah, yeah, pretty sweet this year. I like yeah. the direction. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, darker. It's, it's, well, it's all about directions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Left. They're making Ernie a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> it's pervasive. Yeah. And only it, Bert knows. No, I think it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Bert I, turns out as his dark passenger. No, I think it'd be Grover. Yeah, I think Grover would be the murderer. No, it'd be Snuffleupagus. No, Snuffleupagus isn't real technically. He's real, but he's not real to anybody else. He seems like a vision to Big Bird. I think Grover would be. I think Grover would be the one. He's, he's definitely got a good mind. cover. Yeah, Wait, I mean, no one would suspect. Sure, Snuffleupagus. I, I had no idea he was a. a big well, he's not, he's not really. He isn't anymore. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. He was when we were kids, but I think someone determined that uh, having him. Invisible uh, to uh, adults made him uh, encouraged kids who were victims of sexual abuse to keep their secrets. Oh my god! Some psychologist. Well, said because that. that show. So now everyone could see Mr. Snuffleupagus. If you, it, you it seems not a fan anymore. Now that yeah. everyone's into it. Yeah. <laughs> it used to piss me off so much as a kid that no one. I I think it it did. There was a small bit of childhood trauma. When every time he'd be like, he was just here, and they were like, oh, Big Bird, you're dumb. And they're like, God yeah. damn it, he was right fucking there, yeah. and you don't give him the... Yeah. <laughs> you'd be horrible at watching, like, Blue's Clues or something like that. It's, it's fucking like, right behind you. It's like the reverse of the rage I would feel when I would say, hey, Kool-Aid. Yes. <laughs> and nothing would happen. Nothing. <laughs> that was false oh, advertising. Yeah. It didn't happen, though. That was false advertising. I know, I know. He never came through. Yeah, that, that used to drive me up the fucking wall. Well, I'm glad that they... So you was a real worked up guy, huh? Yeah, I've always <laughs> been a very worked up guy. Always. A very just tightly wound. I was a very tightly wound kid. Right. Mm. Do you? you do anything to counteract that? Do you like... Um, well, I drank all through my 20s. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had... a way to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's a common That's a common way tactic. to deal with that. Yeah, and then, I, and then after that I was like, well, I guess I... I think... I, I think the older you get, the less energy you have to really mm-hmm. be that tightly wound all the time. Because yeah. it just requires an enormous amount of... That's a good way to put a positive spin on aging, you know? It's like, <laughs> I just want to get the tired enough to not be bothered. <laughs> oh, someday. <laughs> How do you feel about it? How do you Because we both, we both hit the same milestone last year. Right. How the did big you... four, two. I'm 28. How do you? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. I mean, especially with Dexter. I started that when I was thirty-four, five, and it just zip. Oh, 
Yeah, it keeps going faster. It does keep going faster. People are like, you're not old. I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely not young. Yeah. No, we're in the in-between part right now. I mean, like... The existence period. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The everyday life of things. Well, it's not until you get to about 38 where you go, there's an end point. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm halfway there. You know, like that's sort of a bizarre existential. Because when you're all the way up until about 35, you really just everything feels infinite, I think. And in terms of your perspective on time, uh, you're so much closer to your death, even if you live to be... 90. Yeah. In terms of uh, the percentage that you have left and how much, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the quality right? of it. Yeah. Yeah. But then also all those things where you start <clears throat> going, oh shit, I guess I, I better not. You, you get very precious about not just wasting time because it sort of feels like I really better. If there are things I'm going to do, I should probably do those while I'm still capable. Yeah, just keep working, Chris. Just fill your days up with <laughs> But a work lot of and... things I want to do are work things, Jonah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not like going in the Appalachian Trail, which sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, that's not a waste of time. Not at all. Are you going to camp along the way? Is that yeah, what? yeah. It's uh, like seven days. And yeah, we'll be camping throughout. Is it is it a relatively uh, carved path that you or is it honestly kinda... it's is the, the the plans are materializing as we speak so it's, I don't know exactly but it's uh, yeah the Appalachian Trail is definitely you know people have been on it it's yeah we're not Lewis and Clarking anything Actum, oh, no machetes. man I wish that was a verb I told you Lewis and Clark that mountain trail I just I just made my own rule there you can do it <laughs> you do can it. do whatever you yeah. want Lewis and Clarking uh, isn't that when you have sex with a virgin yeah that's yeah. right. Actor Michael C. Hall uh, ate three of his compatriots while on a... Oh, see, I'm back into the radio voice again. Yeah. <laughs> Have you thought about, like... And Lewis and Clark the third. <laughs> <laughs> no. Have you thought about what, uh... Have you thought about, like, uh... uh you're, you're, just, you're just planning this stuff now. You don't even know yet. I, I didn't know that that was even an option of just, like, oh, you could just go on the Appalachian Trail. Right, right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, yeah. I mean, you say you don't want to waste time when you get older, and that's true. But then you're, then you're left with, like, okay, so what is and isn't a waste of time? Yeah, your whole, your, whole, your whole idea of, like, oh, if I just sit around all day, that's wasting time. But if you sit around all day and you're in the middle of nature and you're, you're building something or you're doing something fun and experiencing it, on that, then that's not wasting time. Yeah, it yeah. kind of still is. No, it's not. <laughs> it's all a waste. Everything's a waste yeah, of time. Yeah, we're all wasting yeah. time right now. I think we're killing time. When you kill time, you murder success. I don't. That doesn't even mean anything. <laughs> this is something a guy told me once. That doesn't even mean anything. When you kill time, you murder success. How much if you're just co- killing time, you're not doing anything productive. Therefore, you don't uh, succeed at anything. Therefore, you uh, murder success. How many lines of coke did that guy finish before he told you that? Not as many as me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a coke line. I think that's a pot dealer line. I don't think that's a coke line. Mm. Anything could be a coke line yeah. if you I say mean, it enough times in a row. No, 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 no. Because when you, 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 you kill time, you kill, you're killing, time, you kill, you're murdered. Uh, time's gone. Tom time's Petty, gone. Tom but, Petty, yes. Tom Petty. Yes, yes. <laughs> Heartbreakers. You just keep saying Tom Petty when you're on coke? That's my theory of cocaine. If you do it enough times, you will end up in a bathroom talking about Tom Petty with some guy. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That was my line about newsroom. It's so nice to hear Aaron Sorkin's opinions on the news without having to do coke with him. <laughs> 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 but I think if you're watching wow. the show, you are doing coke with him. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except it's more meaningful. You know, newsroom. Have you ever done it? Co- no. Me neither. No, I'm too afraid. It's Me great. too. It's a great drug. 
I don't what? It's a drug. If they're all great, it's just the, I don't know if it's that's everything accurate. else. Everything else about him is the worst. The actual doing of them. That's why people love him, Chris. That's yeah. why people can't get away. <laughs> <laughs> because of how awesome they are. There's no doubt that they're great. Yeah, if they were That's bad. That's great. That's yeah. so refreshing. Yeah. Oh, it's a terrible drug. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, the more it destroys people's lives, I guess the better it probably is. I mean, <laughs> it's the inverse relationship. Yeah. It's inversely proportional. Yeah. The amount that it will destroy you is inversely proportional yeah. how, how bad it is. Correct. <laughs> You've, have you done it a bunch? Yeah, yeah, sure. What? Not, not for a long time, but yeah, I, I, I've done Coke a bunch. What are you like on Coke? More um, of same. Yeah, more of same. Just uh, yeah, just I have a lot of ideas. It's like it's uh, the thing is when you're on cocaine, it's like it's you're about to figure everything out, mm-hmm. but you're just never there. Yeah, you're oh, always oh, just yeah. Oh, oh, oh. But doesn't and it... you feel like when you're talking when you're doing coke with friends and stuff like that, you feel that if you just keep on doing coke and keep on talking, you'll you're gonna get there. You're yeah, because yeah. that's the feeling you have of that suspense of just like if we just keep going, we're gonna fucking. I've everything. never heard it described yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what to... that's the fun part of it, you know. Let's do a Coke episode Never. where we all take Coke. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Could you be prosecuted for that? No, no, it's an episode. <laughs> and yeah, it's gross, you know, and like the, the more you're doing cocaine, the more you feel like you can drink. And so that's like, you know, makes the next day even worse. I would yeah. die. I would instantly die. I can't even drink a cup of coffee. I can't even drink caffeinated. This is decaf. I can't. If I drank caffeinated coffee, you would have to take me to the yeah, hospital. You don't need yeah, that. Yeah. Because I would, it already feels. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're you're, you're one of those people yeah, who doesn't totally need coffee. Am. Yeah, I, you no. know, there, there are those people. Yeah, I, I like yeah. a trace I amount of coffee. caffeine, but that's about it. I Chris, right. think about all the other stuff you can get done. Oh shit! <laughs> how long, Stop how much, wasting how much your you time. <laughs> think about what you could do if you're not. Sleeping. Hey guys, I've started 19 websites in the last 48 hours. <laughs> that extra that extra three hours of sleep you could get, and uh, not sleeping, you would just. It's so much get done. Come on. Let's do it. Let's do a Coke episode. No. We'll call it a very special episode of Nerdist. Yeah. <laughs> very special and boldface. It'll never yeah. happen. You'd It'll almost figure something out. Yeah. Yeah. We would almost yeah. crack that code. Talk over each other even more. Well, we almost yeah. got a guy today, but just yeah. keep listening. Yeah. Yeah. Tune in tomorrow. We might get it. <sighs> but then we'll like, all well, get Well, fuck in. it. Why tune in tomorrow? Let's just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. We'll all get in tune. We'll all do like, the gulp in the middle of us. And while everyone will be talking, we'll go. <laughs> and then we'll go. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I didn't feel like there was a lot of listening on that. (laughs) (laughs) Tim Kazarinski, a former SNL cast member, says this about cocaine. He says it gives you diarrhea of the mouth but constipation of the brain. Hey, that's pretty smart. That's pretty spot on. Do you think we ever? You, but you, he's not the one who was talking about murdering time. No, no, Different. that wasn't that wasn't Different him. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you think, it was Charlie Rocket? You think we get enough shit <laughs> oh. now about about saying that we talk over each other if we were <laughs> yeah. cocaine? It would just be a a chorus of separate ideas all being expressed at the same time. Yes. Yeah. In counterpoint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of no, 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 yes, yes. <laughs> Today we're going to make a lot of statements, and then tomorrow we're going to contradict all of those statements yeah. and have just equally as compelling arguments. The apology episode. <laughs> Listen, we be. said a lot of things. We've never yeah. done, like, a full apology episode. Yeah. <laughs> I like to feel that every episode is an apology episode. Yeah. The come down. We just, if we had left some of the things I've said in, you would have to. What are you talking about, Matt? <laughs> never edited anything you've ever... Edit that out. <laughs> I li- I don't you because you don't listen to the podcast you don't know this but there was a recent episode the one where Peter Farrelly was on and you guys did this whole show when I took him walked him to his car and you go oh, Chris is going to edit that out oh yeah 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 I just for I cut out a second of something that Jonah said so it sounded edited oh nice why'd you have to pick me <laughs> I was I the one that had to get edited out. <laughs> 
Because I mean, knowing me, it was probably really funny. Well, fan well, favorite. I'm the fan favorite. So <laughs> there are no fan favorites anymore. <laughs> yeah, there are. Not me and Joe. Guys, we have guests. Sorry, Michael. Welcome. We peek behind the curtain here. It's just. The... I'm sorry. I, f- I fell asleep for a second. What are you guys <laughs> so did the listeners. <laughs> no, I'll cut all that out. So did whoever just reviewed this for the AV Club. <laughs> Stop getting. Don't focus on that shit. You don't focus on that stuff, do you? Are the you, AV do, Club. Do you? <laughs> you're, do you go online and read stuff, or do you not? I don't. I I try not to seek it out. But if somebody puts something in front of my face, it's why do you think they do that? You that. know, like when they go, "Oh my God, can you believe what this person said about you?" Like, why would you the, do that? Yeah, I lose respect for those people. You hear that, Jonah? <laughs> I didn't need that email this morning. I don't know. I was in a bad <laughs> mood this morning. I was in a bad mood. I wonder what that mechanism is. We're like. I think people like being... You know what it is? People, it gives them a certain sense of significance if they deliver the thing to you. Right. They go, look at this. I'm helping you out. You're like, no, you just ruined my day. Yeah. Did you see that terrible picture of you? (laughs) It was really bad. Here, Here, I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up. Here, Here, I'll pull it up. (laughs) I didn't think it was that bad. Oh, it's really bad. No, it's bad. Look at... yeah. Yeah. Are you a relatively positive person, do you think? Hmm... No. You don't think so? No, I'm a. I wouldn't. I don't know that I'm a pessimist. I don't know. I I I, I guess. Uh, I think I I think I sort of cultivate a, a sort of pessimistic uh, buffer. Sure. But I hold on to some sort of optimism that I don't totally own up to. Sure. For yeah. fear of. My dreams being squashed. Yes, that's it. That's it. Is it? That's sort of. That's it. Is the the pessimism thing gives it because I think particularly with performers, you know, even though you've been working for the last thirteen years, a significant chunk of your performing life there was rejection, and maybe there are still forms of rejection that you still experience now if there are other things that you want to do or they don't work out or whatever. Yeah. And so I think not only do we get conditioned to accept that, but it definitely allows you to control the outcome when you're like, well, this is all going to go to shit anyway. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a weird control thing. Yeah, there's some. I mean, I, I'd like to believe that that underneath that veneer, there's a more sort of hopeful nugget. Yeah. But but I do think I, I do you know, what is it? Hope for the best, expect the worst. I guess. Do you think yeah. that means that we'll get crankier as we get older, or do you think that it is? I don't know. God damn it, <laughs> Michael. Um. <laughs> My dad used to be a really serious kind of like in his own head guy all the time and then as he got older he just like oh he's all gushy and like really like oh life is great you know like I really hope that that's what happens the trajectory yeah Yeah. I guess you go one of two directions you know I don't know yeah I hope I hope uh I think I fantasize like uh, there being some sort of release associated with old age before the final release. Right, 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 right. You're talking yeah. about the butt plug? Yeah. <laughs> before rubber, rubber shorts. Well, it's like that, uh, oh, it's like that scene, oh, is that your guy? Oh, is he, yeah. It looked like he was LA like Times doing thing. a cutthroat. I think okay. he was saying, uh, Thank God you know, is that what he did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't see his, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God you know that guy. I just thought like, yeah. who is that guy that's telling us to wrap it right. up? Yeah. Hey, you guys, I don't like how long you've been in there. I really do hope that's the case, but it's like that Jason Robard speech in Parenthood where he's saying to Steve Martin, like, you never cross the finish line. You never spike the touchdown ball. That always that depressed me so much when oh, I was yeah, a yeah. kid. Yeah, cruel. Because I really do hope that there is that, like, 
<sighs> but maybe we're just not conditioned. It's kind of like he's talking about conversations on cocaine. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You never, <laughs> never get there. <laughs> Dad, are you coked up? What is it? What if I am? Life is cocaine. All right, thanks. Was there anything else you wanted to promote or plug while you're here before we? Do let you want you to go? promote sorbet? I'm oh. doing a uh, uh, Kill Your Darlings, a movie. Oh yeah, the movie uh, Kill Your Darlings comes yeah. out in October. Excellent. It's uh, it's good. It's about a story about the. Uh, a seminal event during the forming of the Beat Generation. Uh, re- remarkably, a story that hasn't been told until now. So, uh, <laughs> based on a true story, it's really a. Uh, and my character is—it's uh, not really a spoiler because it's the first frame of the frame of the film. Uh, dies, so I got <gasps> to turn the tables on myself. Oh, that's yeah. awesome! That was fun. Cool, nice. And well, death has to be involved in in, in some way or another. No, yeah. you're gonna do like some really silly, you know, uh, rom com. Some kind of mm-hmm. rom-com. You ever want to do something like that? Like like silly and light? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... We'll get right on that. D- I d- yeah, I do. I do. I mean, this has felt reasonably silly. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. We try to have some substance to it. I just... There it is. I just want to say... <laughs> for the listeners at home that's the new enjoy your burrito that might have been the silliest thing that's ever fucking happened on this podcast <laughs> and done was so stoic just yeah hold on that actually sounds like a geico commercial well that's sillier than michael c hall doing arm farts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well see a comic-con yeah, possibly <laughs> Is, yeah, is, is is Ralph Garman moderating your panel this I year? I believe so. he's great from yeah. the Showbiz Beat. Yeah, from Showbiz. Yeah, Ralph's great. From Hollywood Babylon. Uh, well, have fun at Comic Con, and thanks for coming on. And I, I hope you I hope you had a nice time. You're welcome. I'd shake all your hands, but it was just in my armpits. It's just True. covered in armpits. Sweat. Understood. Oh, I just remembered. I, I met you last year at Sarah Silverman's party with Ben Schwartz, who is oh, fucking right. hilarious. Like, he's hilarious. Yeah, he's, oh, yeah. you could possibly Amazing. know. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Guy. Have you done his snow pants show before? I have. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was talking about Yeah, it's horrifying. I just, you know, basically, I was the go-to burst into tears and masturbate guy. You know, because it's my first thing <laughs> out Nothing's there. Funny. First time up there. Nothing's yeah. funnier than crying and it's masturbating. It's like, I don't know what yeah. to do. Yeah. <laughs> this will get him. <laughs> Great choice yeah. for the show. What show? <laughs> the end. Thanks, guys. Enjoy, Brew. That was awesome. That was fun. Thanks, man. I hope you, I hope you had an okay time. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. That's I just—I don't know yeah. if you're like you're holding it like your hand is broken. It looks like it's affecting your hand. Hi, <laughs> right, that was fun. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Rhea Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.